310 of the Saturn Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again this week by my feathered co-host, Peter. Ah! And only Peter. <laughs> uh, it's just me and Kurt and me and Kurt uh, on this, the obscure candy bar edition of the cast, where we celebrate your favorite obscure candy bar. Or I think 100 grand. Is a good not bad. contender for obscure candy bar king. The first one that popped into my head was uh, the Zero Bar. I, okay, that is obscure. I've never yeah. heard of this. Yeah, that's the one that you find in like the still operating mom and pop video rental shop that inexplicably <laughs> still exists in like you know there the one in Hornell, yeah, <laughs> or Whitesville, whichever can, one. If, it was. if your population goes above, I think ten thousand they disappear like it evaporates like it goes through a state change and it turns into like uh, a pick and pull store an auto part shop or something so i went to i went to the one and so we went to college out in western new york and there there were two towns close to our little college town they were about equidistant Mm -hmm. and they had different like amenities that you would expect and together they formed the amenities of like one Clifton Park sized town. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um <I'm> so, <laughs> I don't know why you're nodding along. You keep know. telling the story. I've, I, this sounds really you know all these places. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, there there was a mom and pop, I think it was in Whitesville. There was this mom and pop video rental store um that still existed. And not only did it still exist, it had an adult section. <laughs> how, and how adult were and the people behind the counter? Are we talking? What kind of generian are we talking? I don't remember okay. who was working the counter because we didn't rent anything. I'm not sure I ever interacted with a counter person. But we definitely went back into the adult section. And then my dumbass friends were loudly reading the titles to all these pornographic movies with children on the other side of this, like, bead curtain wall I, one of those things i can definitely imagine Which all of those guys is the best fucking entrance for a porn section adult video store like that's ultimate tack is <laughs> right dude the children. just the fucking the bead curtain oh yeah <laughs> oh yeah no that's i think that's a uh, that's like high law that's like universal law that like if it's behind a bead curtain it doesn't actually exist you know <laughs> Despite the fact, like you could go into any any given shop in Ithaca, and you look back and like, is that is that a bead curtain with like, with like, mall ninja shit and weed behind there? Okay, <laughs> but don't worry, they so sell I, stickers. I found the, the zero. A gift. Yeah, <laughs> yes, I gift you the weed. Here's your fifty dollars sticker. Um, zero candy bars. I'm looking at this now. Why is it called a zero bar? It has plenty of calories. It's got 230 calories per bar in it. I <laughs> They put it next. This is like the best fucking deceptive advertising I've ever seen. So oh, oh my if you go to Hersheyland.com backslash zero, you will see pictured a zero bar 
next to a fruit plate containing blueberries and strawberries in the fork. The implication being, this zero bar is just as healthy a, a sweet treat as a fruit would be. As the two- zero bar is health food. Pay no attention to the fact that it's 230 calories per bar. A big fucking 230 calories out front, yeah. This um, it's white fudge with caramel and and peanuts and nougat in it, so it's like a it's like a white Snickers. Yeah, I get, yeah, it's pretty pretty accurate. And I I I appreciate that their related brands don't take you to their popular stuff. Uh, for this one, they've <laughs> taken me to uh, okay, they're taking me to Bubble Yum. Fair enough. Um, which is of course as as we know as material scientists, it is bubble gum but with flux added. <laughs> and so I click Hershey Land and I'm learning some shit. I didn't know that these were Hershey products. So like uh, apparently, because I'm assuming they own the rights to all these brands, because why else would you put it front and center of your English language website? Mm-hmm. Uh, they got Skinny Pop. This one girl's eating skinny. It's a nice mixed race family. Of course. <laughs> of course. Um, and uh, little girl, one little girl's eating skinny pop. The other little girl's eating pirate's booty. And the dad's got himself a big old handful of Reese's Pieces. And he got a big old grin on his face because he, he's liking them Reese's Pieces. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I um, It also took me to, uh, I mean, this one's more popular. Is the uh, the payday? AK. Yeah, you're not even a payday, but which is just literally a bunch of peanuts stuck together it's, with a wad of caramel. It's like if you took a rod of caramel and gave it a static charge and put it in a, pe- a field of peanuts, and you just left so it there. So as as a consequence of this very basic design, uh, a payday bar is actually one of the healthier candy bars in existence. It's got like seven grams of protein in it. <laughs> That's why they, uh, that's why this picture has the fucking, it has work, it has electrician's gloves grasping the payday bar and they advertise it as a (laughs) truckload of peanuts. Like it'll just fucking ramrod your digestive system with nut goodness. Look at all these, look at all these fucking, I'm looking at like, this is all of Hershey Land's uh, products. I don't know if Hershey Land is their rebranding or if they had a merger, but you got, Fifth Avenue Bars, which is another obscure candy bar. Got the Almond Joy. Bark Thins. Yep. Breath Savers. Not Life Savers. They don't have I think I remember Breath Savers. Brookside. Bubble Yum. Cadbury. Oh, I didn't know that Cadbury was Hershey. That kind of makes it a little less special. Uh, Good and Plenty. Heath. Oh, the Heath Bar. That's not winning anyone's award oh, for anything. I, I don't know, dude. I, I can get a Heath bar, although I can't eat it nowadays. <laughs> like, you know how, like, there are some, like, candy that'll break old people's teeth? Like, Heath bar, yeah. as good as they are, they seek to lower that age threshold <laughs> to a solid 13 years old. If you're, <laughs> if you have two digit, digits in your age and you can eat a Heath bar, um, please sell your teeth to science. <laughs> Hershey's, of course, Icebreakers, Jolly Ranchers, Hershey Kisses, Kit Kats, Milk Thuds, Mounds, Mr. Good Bar, Payday, mm. Reese's. I didn't know Reese's was Hershey. They're everything. Rolo, baby. 
Except for ice Score. cream. Hershey's are not ice cream. That's Hershey's. Not Hershey's, but Hershey's. Symphony. Hershey's Symphony. I've never heard of that. Symphony's good. It's like, it's the, I'm pretty sure it's how all European chocolate is made. Like, they don't put the buritic acid in it like they do in American chocolate. Okay, it's just advertises like extra creamy yes. Hershey's. It's um, Twizzlers. Whatchamacallit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing. Whoppers, York Patties. Zagnut? That is my favorite oh, candy bar of, name I've, I've ever Zagnut. fucking heard. Zagnut candy bars perfect, perfect the unique combination of crunchy peanut butter and toasted coconut. Try a Zagnut today. 220 calories per bar. Net weight, 1.75 ounces, 49 grams. Is a payday bar not nutritious enough for you? <laughs> Get a Zagnut, <laughs> you bitch. Peanut butter and coconut. That just sounds wrong, honestly. So it's like a peanut butter core surrounded by toasted coconut, it looks like. All right. To each their own. Yep. All right. Uh, Reminder: We are not currently we are not sponsored, nor are currently pursuing sponsorship by Hershey's. Uh, they're, no. they're bitches, um. and they can suck <laughs> it. Although Chowards, now Chowards, if you're if you're looking out, I, I like your violet candies. If you know, if, if you want to come talk to us, I, I'll I'll wrap your violet candies anytime. Yeah, Hershey, take the free advertising we just gave you and stick it. <laughs> We gotta throw in something to let's figure. What's the latest Hershey uh, controversy before we get into Trey Watch? <laughs> we need to go on mar- Market Watch. We need to, we need to do more unrelated side content. Yes, uh, I was gonna say it's like Hershey's isn't owned by Nestle. No, um, but they. I don't know. Looks like they've. They're currently in controversy about shipping in their cocoa from uh, Cote d'Ivoire uh, using child labor. Well, if we're going to get angry at people for using child labor, we just got to stop buying things from, like, just stop buying clothes because they're all made in Vietnam by kids. <laughs> much like much like a Sarlacc. Not that I condone child labor. I'm just saying <laughs> the reality of the situation is... Much like a Sarlacc, there Child is no ethical is. consumption under capitalism. No. There is no, no ethical consumption under Sarlaccs. <laughs> um, Sarlaccs are the worst economic system we've come up with, aside from all the other ones we've come up with. <laughs> Genie, for my first wish, <laughs> please please rein in the, uh, the bourgeoisie. <laughs> Distribute the wealth yeah. among the proletariat. I guess usually we, we do give a little uh, sneak peek at what our feature is. So uh, we're sad to learn this week that Gilbert Gottfried passed away. Yes. Um, so to, to celebrate his life, we're, we're reviewing his most famous movie role, but curiously enough, the second most famous bird he's ever played um, to the Aflac duck. Yeah. That would be number one. 
Uh, but we weren't really sure how to review commercials. So we, we opted to watch Aladdin, uh, which I had forgotten until like five minutes in. Oh, yeah. Robin Williams is in this movie. Yeah. This is going to double suck. This is going to. It's two brilliant comedians taken from us too soon. There was that picture. It was him and um, it was Gilbert Gottfried and Bob Saget and Norm MacDonald. I think the uh, people were sharing around a picture of them all together. Yeah, I could see that being a crew that runs together. That tracks. They're, they're all um, dead. Yeah, well, they fucking... I know Bob Saget, at least, did some, like, fucking serious drugs. <laughs> <laughs> how he got and... that fucking job on AFV. And, uh, well, I guess I know how he got the job on AFV. was from... from uh, Full House. Yeah. He pol- parlayed that into that. Yeah, but like you no, know, it's you know they all have their dark sides. You know, Bill Cosby was allegedly a rapist. <laughs> Bob Saget fucked hookers and did cocaine. <laughs> I mean, they can't all be Mister Rogers. <laughs> there, there are levels to this. Um, but I, I have one question to ask, and that is, will Gilbert Gottfried? He his last TV role, I believe, was as. Uh, God on Smiling Friends, the last episode. I feel that's fitting. Um, was that his audition for the role of Metatron when he gets to heaven? <laughs> I'm now the voice of God. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. That'd be fantastic. Just everyone having their prayers suddenly answered by Gilbert Godfrey. <laughs> he's Gilbert. He's Gilbert comma god's freed he's he's there gilbert godfrey it's right in the name <laughs> it's right in, right in front of us the whole time all right well now that we spent 15 minutes talking about oh, whatever let's get into tray watch here our weekly trailer review and roundup segment or we watch all the trailers so you don't have to. And then we give you our very well-informed opinions <laughs> about whether or not they'll be worth seeing. If this has been any indication, we are at the top tier of, of videos. I've, I mean, we've cornered the market in the trailer review, I think. I mean, there are the trailer breakdown people, but I don't think anyone just says... We've reviewed all the trailers <laughs> for this week. We, but we do. We see everything, and we see you, Blumhouse. And y- I see you. Yeah, Blumhouse. Um, doing Blumhouse things. Let's let's start with that. Let's start sure. with our father. Um, this is a. I don't know how hard hitting this is going to be. This is a Netflix documentary, um, about a dude who. Uh, he slipped his sperm donations into the like he he did the old switcheroo at the sperm bank with the donors, <laughs> so he became everybody. He became like three thousand people's dad. And they're doing it's just a documentary about all the people who figured out like, oh, he's not our, he's not uh, you know my bio dad is not my bio dad. It's this this Mormon dude. <laughs> and they're gonna do it's it's some true crime Netflix. How fucked up is that? Checking it out, <laughs> isn't this crazy shit? 
when you first said it, it didn't register with me but then when you you've rephrased the context that like these families that wanted to have kids would have like artificially inseminate or whatever like that's fucked up <laughs> yeah but i guess i don't really know the clientele that typically ghosts or spirit make isn't it a lot of times just single women that want to have kids no, it's that it's couples. I know one of the interviews they did was, um, I guess it's with. See, the thing is, it, I don't know how many of it's very slickly produced, so I don't know how much of this is like how much they played with this. Um, well, it's so here's the thing about a documentary it's not a research paper, they're under no compunction to cite their sources there's no peer review process they don't submit their film to a uh a accuracy a board to review the accuracy yeah. of the information in it so you should always take documentary films with a grain of salt like documentaries literally because... have the same burden of proof as the based on a true story movies yeah and um to uh exas- exacerbate that issue a little further a lot of times the documentarian has the story already and goes out to find pieces to kind of weave find the footage it together yeah and and the way they want to present it like tiger king was a good example cuz that was like i think the first documentary thing people had watched in a while since like maybe planet earth that was the first like documentary thing to really blow up mm-hmm. um and planet earth was largely just like footage of nature um, but less educational, but uh, I bring up Tiger King because of the whole Carol Baskins thing, which is now a fucking show on Peacock. Yeah, <laughs> but the the documentarian clearly thought Carol Baskins killed her husband, and the way they edited the documentary really kind of pushed the viewer towards that conclusion. Mm-hmm. And obviously, when they did the rebuttal episode with everyone, and you know more information's come out, you know it's it's maybe not so clear. I mean, I will admit that it is a little weird that the investigation was handled the way it was, but I don't know if oh, she sure. killed the dude. But I, no I'm not really saying knows. Carol Baskin killed her husband. I'm just asking questions. Just... Yeah, like I mean, the police weren't as thorough as. I would, I would, I guess I would say they would typically be, but I don't really know that department's record of investigation, nor do I really have a comprehensive view of what real police investigations are like. I just watch clips of Columbo and <laughs> fucking think that that's what it's like. <laughs> My wife sleeps in a hotel. I just get in a, a can of jam. I stick some holes in the lid and I just hunk it down for the night. So I looked in some of these. There's only nine fish. <laughs> actual um, actual episode of Columbo. He solves the murder by counting the number of fish in a fish tank. Um, yeah, it's good. It's uh, so that was his last case. Actually. Yeah, that was that was how he retired. <laughs> he found the case of the, <laughs> the missing fish. Um, it's so weird because it's like the last episode of Columbo. We're going down rabbit holes. <laughs> the last episode of Columbo aired in 2003. Yeah. Um, which is kind of crazy to think about because the show started in the 60s. Um, it didn't run continuously. No. It was like 10 years it and ran, 10 years. It fired in spurts. 
Yeah, and it was like an episode a month. <laughs> There's only like 70 episodes of Columbo, but it stretches from 1968 to 03. But anyway, so like the point is it's filmed in 03. It looks modern. It looks like CSI. It looks like NCIS. It is Columbo in a nightclub. But it's just fucking old-ass Columbo <laughs> interacting with these actors that are like a third his age. <laughs> it's it's really a sight to see. I recommend everyone go watch that video because it, it just keeps yeah. on giving. Um, like Much like Columbo. One more thing. Um, kind of <laughs> Let's let's we'll rewind it back all the way to the here um, to what we were originally saying. Um, yeah, no, the one of the interviews was with like a family who was like they had to tell their daughter like your dad's not your real dad. It's this asshole. Yeah, like that's that's terrible. Fucked if true. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> like, I always. I don't know if people who are interviewed and documented, they're, they're probably not typically compensated. They just get a little bit of uh, fame and exposure. But, like, goddamn, to have to, like, relive what I'm sure was one of the most trying moments for your family. Because <laughs> some asshole wants to make a movie on Netflix about it. Yeah. For a more lighthearted take on a similar, on a similar topic, uh, you have the comedy movie Starbuck, which was about... It wasn't about like a, a criminal. It was just a dude who had to make a lot of money, and he just sold a lot of sperm. He just he just spewed it everywhere, and he had a lot of kids. And they all like, oh, the natural anonymous sperm donor is this guy, and they all meet up, and um, the drama and comedy, dramedy, if you will, in crossbreeding. By sperm donation. The sperm is, the comedy sperm is in a tube, and then it is, (laughs) I don't know where I'm going with this. I I don't know where you're going with that either. You take a look at yourself sometimes. You say, all right, we're stopping here. We're putting. I was watching you, and I'm like, you're going pretty far out of that vine, Peter. (laughs) (laughs) We need some sort of protection. It's a shame if you died on it. Some sort of protection. (laughs) You might even call it like a preventive, like a prophylactic measure. To keep me from going too far down this down this hole, unless you do something bad and you'll find yourself in need of the Lincoln lawyer. Uh, no, this is not the 2011 Matthew McConaughey movie of literally the same name. Um, it is in fact a uh, I don't know if it's a based off another book of. Uh, yeah, I guess it's based Maybe. on more of Michael Conley's novels. Um, and it appears to be um, a television series, or is it a movie? I think it's, it's a movie. Right. Um, no, it's a TV but, show. Yeah, okay. So um, they figured they could serialize this mm-hmm. uh, even further. But uh, it's no. I I don't know fucking and I don't know anything about the books. I mean, it looks like a, a lawyer show with some some conspiracy elements. 
Yeah, and an evil corporation. And it's a Netflix show, so they can they can stretch that shit out for forever. Um, well, no, it's a Netflix show, so it only will get three seasons. <laughs> I guess that's true. I, I I guess I just had Stranger Things on the mind because they're they're releasing their fourth season now. That's like unprecedented. <laughs> yeah, they're they're breaking. They're breaking the. I love I love how that's the one show, the the one show that clearly had a shelf life that has expired at this point. That's the show they pushed the fourth season through. <laughs> Fuck, I'm I'm looking back, and you know, they they did put these out at a regular pace because it's, uh, it's 2022, and I look, it it came out in 20, it aired in 2016, Stranger Things season one. Um, so they didn't, they almost put one like out almost every year. They probably like skipped a year between, you know, uh, one and two and probably like two and three or something like that. Um, but also it aired in the, the season everyone remembers is from 2016. We were still in college. The Cubs were world series champions. (laughs) These kids. Uh, I'm just thinking about like the actors. Yeah, I mean, like they were kids then. They were, I mean, they like older kids. They were probably like 11, 10, 12, whatever. They are, and now they're age. like, like young they're adults. in college now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were in college when they were kids. Now they're in college, which makes me feel very old. <laughs> they have like acting careers now. Pretty much, all yeah, of like. Them. Uh, yeah, the one the fat kid does Verizon commercials or mm-hmm. was doing Fios commercials for a while. Finn Wolfhard is in any movie Stop. with a slightly Stranger Things esque vibe. Uh, Millie Bobby Brown was in Godzilla, Godzilla. Yeah. Um, and other things. I and other kids, I'm sure, are doing other things. I don't know. Those are the three actors I know, and I only know two of their names because I call the other one the fat kid. <laughs> And um, yeah, and I, even the even the you know adult actors have taken other roles at this point. David Harbor ruined Hellboy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> David Harbor was the the one was shining completely beacon. unnecessary in Black yeah. Widow. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was the bright point in that movie. I will say though, I mean, you could have removed him from the movie; it would have no noticeable impact. <laughs> Oh, so yeah, it's Lincoln Lawyer and Stranger Things. Stranger Lawyer, Lincoln Things. Coincidence? Um, Entirely. And lastly there, we've got, of the ones Peter dredged up, there are two more, three more trailers. There's there's Crimes of the Future. That's the one actual trailer that we saw um there's well i guess we didn't catch i don't remember the tra- the first trailer for the northman the northman i we kind of glazed over it um, uh but that's like i mean there's not much to it it's fucking uh game of thrones esque viking shit it's viking action um, yeah because vikings was so great um no, I wasn't being dismissive. Vikings, I hear, is, is excellent. Um, but uh, it ran its course, so now they're they're ready to to do the new thing. More v- different Vikings, other v- Vikings. How about Vikings? 
Um, vicarious living. Vicarious. Uh, but yeah, cr- crimes future. This is the. Uh, it's just a teaser trailer, mm-hmm. but uh, if you've if you've been saying to yourself, you know what, cinema's missing. More Cronenberg body horror in 4K. And uh, here comes David Cronenberg. I don't know if uh, that's the son or the the dad. Um, is the dad Michael Cronenberg? Why do I think Michael Cronenberg is a name that's like <laughs> I'm Michael Michael Cronenberg? It's um, it's David. It's the it's the guy who's done all the stuff. Okay, so David Cronenberg he, he did the fly. Okay, so it's 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 the OG Cronenberg. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so if you're like, yeah. I miss seeing really uncomfortable depictions of the human body. Uh, he's got you covered. He's gone from um, from messy to it's it's like a cleaner look. Instead of goo and pus, you have like scapula coffins and and like skull chair, and then um, but weird VR belly button thing. Maybe yeah, I, it's like there's some matrix. Elements to it. There's some. There's some like weird <laughs> some flesh pod elements to there's it. Some goofy shit. This is. I, there's like Pan's labyrinth elements to I it. I love the fucking shot of the guy. He's like, we're gonna take your ears and put them on your head. <laughs> I love the shot of the the kid who's in a fucking next to a toilet eating a a clay pot. <laughs> Pika, the ultimate body horror. <laughs> like you had. One minute and six seconds to fucking actually last. You had fifty six seconds to put this trailer together. Like there's fifty six seconds of context, and you chose to use three of those seconds on a random kid in a bathroom eating a clay pot. Uh, it's got a weird cast too. It's got Viggo Mortensen and Kristen Stewart in it. Um. The synopsis. Oh my god, this is the longest synopsis I've ever seen on oh. movie clips trailers. Oh geez, yes, okay. So of course I have to read this. The film takes a deep dive into the not so distant future where humankind is learning to adapt to its synthetic surroundings. This evolution moves humans beyond the natural state and into a metamorphosis, altering their biological makeup. While some embrace the limitless potential of transhumanism. <laughs> is this a trans allegory? <laughs> Others attempt to police it. I think it might be. Either way, in this perfectly crafted Cronenberg world, which makes the iconic which marks the iconic filmmaker's return to sci-fi, accelerated evolution syndrome is spreading fast. Saul Tenser is a beloved performance artist who has embraced accelerated evolution syndrome, sprouting new unexpected organs into his body, along with his partner, Caprice. Tensor has turned the removal of these organs into a spectacle for his loyal followers to marvel at in real-time theater. But with both the government and a strange subculture taking note, Tensor is forced to consider what would be his most shocking performance of all. Now, I have two things. Um, Thing one, uh, just to clear it up for the audience, just because it has... for all our, even even our uh, our learners, our, our everyone, all mental age groups, um, 
transhumanism is uh, generally just, it's not, I don't, yes. Just because the word trans does not mean it's like a transgender thing. Like, we're talking like no. Days X was transhumanist stuff, uh, Blade Runner, um, whatever that shitty Johnny Depp movie was where they plug him into a computer that <laughs> said um, this one may. Like, it's it. there's a lot of other uh, things pointing in that direction. Um, yeah. Two, this reminds me of... This reminds me of a fucking Orson Scott Card novel. Um, it's called, I believe, Treason. And it's it's a stupid book, IMO. It's a pretty dumb book. Um, the premise was, what if everyone who... Uh, you take people who had jobs, and you put them on their planet, and their jobs give them superpowers. So, like, the geologists turn into, like, earthbenders. And, like... <laughs> the physicists have like reality bending kind of powers and the geneticists get the ability to regenerate. So they sell their organ. They grow organs in like people farms and sell them to the space trade in return for, um, oh, I can precious see the metals. similarities now. And, you know, in the not in the definitely not an allegorical, uh, move, the politicians have the power to shape shift. And, and hide their true forms. <laughs> no alicorn. There's a uh, there's a long comment left in uh, Arabic here, and I kind of want to run it through Google Translate to see what it says. This is on the Cronenberg one. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. Oh, it doesn't want to. Yeah, it doesn't want to translate it. Oh, I guess I have to go to Google Translate. Google Translate. Enter text. Oh, that's not. All right. <clears throat> text exceeds 3,900 character limit. We'll do it in parts. Oh, dear. Yeah, I guess I'll, I'll pick uh, Pick that hat. I don't, I don't know the first thing about reading Arabic, so. Uh, congratulations to those who have Sahur. Congratulations to those who have breakfast. Sunset comes while we look forward. Who gives us breakfast? Dawn comes while we wait. Who gives us Sahur? We receive Ramadan with lessons and tears. We grieve for our deceased father. May God have mercy on him and grieve for our condition in which we live. Oh, people of compassionate hearts. We are your daughters, your honor, your honor, and your dignity is... Oh, wait, no. Your this, honor, your honor, and our dignity is your dignity. I think they meant to say your honor is our honor. Uh, mm-hmm. We rented a house. <laughs> we have the right to rent late. And the owner of the house calms us down by expelling the street and how much I pleaded, but there is no life for those who call do you satisfy that you my brothers are crying and dying of starvation while you are still there oh amazingly i managed to get it in at the end of a sentence god i don't want yeah uh, um the, i'm wondering oh, if jesus this is like because it is it is uh it's ramadan is rama on right now um i wonder if this is some guy deciding that the youtube comment section is the definitely the best place to to put uh, a Ramadan prayer or something, or maybe not. 
Who knows? We have no one standing by our side in these harsh conditions. Please help us and make us happy. Please stop with us. Didn't you just say you had, and my hands are short? I do not have a father like you and my younger brothers see how they they are and help us and save us before we die of starvation, I swear by God. Didn't he just say he was happy? <laughs> we should all love each other earlier in this comment. Man, what a journey. This is my WhatsApp number. Whoever can help us, write to me on WhatsApp. May God reward you with good money. Oh. So that's that. Okay, oh, so it's all. Looking for. Looking for, donos? for some, some donos. That's what that whole story was about. Uh, yes. Grind. So the best, <laughs> the best place to go, Crimes of Future teaser trailer, movie clips trailer. That's where you go to panhandle, digital panhandling. What a what a world. <laughs> oh man. Uh and that's Treywatch, right? Uh yes, yes. Okay. Moving on to the follow up. Boy, howdy. Was there ever? A box office <laughs> last week. Um, in number one, to the shock of no one and to the delight of Paramount, I'm sure, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 broke Sonic the Hedgehog 1's record for biggest opening weekend of a video game adaptation, bringing in $72.1 million. Oh, yeah. For seventeen thousand per theater take, you see, Peter, that other per theater take was was reasonable, reasonable. Fair enough. Um, thus far, worldwide, it has made a hundred and sixty million. Uh, so it's doing doing just dandy. Um, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it, Mr. I'm feeling Krabs. It, Mr. Krabs. I think it's doing it pretty well. Last I checked, it had a sixty-seven on Rotten Tomatoes, which was a little higher than uh. The first one is a 69% currently and a 7 out of 10 on IMDb. I don't understand why. I, don't, I guess it, it's not better than the first one, I don't think. So I'm confused why the critics are a little bit more. I, I get. I feel like the critics would ding it more because of how unfocused it is in spots. And how much time they spend on the human character. Like, that's, I remember that was the huge criticism of Godzilla 2014, right? Is that Godzilla's yes. barely in the movie and they focus on the human characters too much. So I figured there'd be similar criticisms for this, but evidently not so. They um, were feeling it. They were feeling it, Mr. Crab. So, congratulations, Paramount. You have a hit on your hands. Now, please leave Star Trek alone. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Just leave it be. Let Sonic is no he's no stranger to the limelight. Let him let him <laughs> take the bullet. Sonic is basically bulletproof. To not remember the fucking Wii era of Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> He'll just drop his rings and pick them up. You know those things are like made of gold, right, Paramount? <laughs> so don't don't uh, kill Star Trek for this. Being displaced, and we call the precipitous drop, but I was not expecting quite this extreme a drop. Morbius falls to number two, ten million dollars, ten point two million, down seventy three point eight percent. That is huge. That's amongst the biggest drops I've ever seen week on week. Yeah, 
it is uh, that's the uh, the Morbius sweep that everyone's been talking about. As in, they swept it out of the theaters. It's still in forty two hundred theaters. It's in more theaters than Sonic. Damn, um, that's it's awful. And no theater has booted it out yet, but I suspect that that's happening, especially since The Lost City, which came in third. Mind you, only like a million dollars behind Morbius' second week take Mm -hmm. is already being dropped by 486 theaters. (laughs) It's down about 40% from last week. Um, It's made $80 worldwide, though. It's made $71 million domestic. How much did Morbius make domestic? (laughs) Lost City out-earned Morbius domestically to the tune of $21 million. Sonic, I mean, I mean... I'm sorry, it's $11 million? Yeah, yeah. $11 million. Um, Now, you could argue, oh, Lost City has the benefit of a week. Um, One, it's also, it's not a superhero movie. When superhero movies' whole point is that they should be making uh, banks of money. Like, this is a tentpole film for Sony, really. They need to build out their they're building out away from uh Spider Man and Venom. And Well, they're trying to make their own Spider Verse. Mm-hmm. And you see how well that's been going for them. Yeah. <laughs> is which which do you think did better? Morbius or when Universal tried to do their dark their dark universe and made their Dracula movie? No, they made the mummy movie was the big flop right yes um but they also did a dracula movie first i don't they were trying to i think they were trying dracula to retroactively pull that one in oh yeah dracula untold yeah um i don't think dracula untold was as bad didn't max landis write that um no he wrote i frankenstein um i don't think dracula untold was as bad of a movie as uh what you call it mummy um, and I think Mummy had an uphill battle of uh, being a movie called The Mummy in a world mm-hmm. where the Brandon Fraser 1999 beloved action comedy classic The Mummy exists. Mm-hmm. Let me see. Um, Mummy. So Dracula Untold had a 25% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, and... <laughs> The a Mummy did better than Dracula Untold, box office wise. Um, All right, well, it made fifty six because mil- it had Tom Cruise in it as yeah. the like last movie star in the world in it. Of course, it made more money at the box office. <laughs> um, Who was in Dracula Untold? Fucking Luke Evans. Who the fuck is that? Yeah. I don't recognize any of these people. <laughs> but in terms of uh, vampire movies, um, Morbius. Did is barely eking out Dracula Untold by like a million. So directed by congratulations, Gary Sony, you've you've squeaked by this <laughs> this uh, this powerful powerful release from 2014 that only made it to 2,900 domestically. Theaters. They squeaked out domestically worldwide. It made two hundred and seventeen million dollars. So about uh, seventy million more than yeah. Morbius. <laughs> and at the rate Morbius is going, I don't think it's going to pull in seventy more million dollars. See, <laughs> <laughs> I 
See, this is a message to Sony. Universal has a world on their logo. They see their movies all around the world. Sony, you have some parallel lines that <laughs> so, your audience is only with people who watch blurred lines. <laughs> blurred line music video on repeat. Um, that's, a, that's a whole demographic. So that, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, the general public. Uh, we're telling them about this now, um, but they need to know the truth. Yeah, it's true. It's all true. We've never told a lie ever once. Um, Ambulance opens in fourth. <laughs> Speaking of Universal. <laughs> Speaking of Universal, they still have their their uh, eggs firmly in the Michael Bay basket. And boy ever did Michael Cheddar Bay Biscuit not deliver <laughs> <laughs> with Ambulance. Uh yeah, and like wow, that is that is pretty disappointing. It's fantastic. Uh, I, it makes... I can't think they had high hopes for it because they released it the same week that Sonic Two opened. Yeah, so they had to know they were going to get trounced. Like w- when we saw the the short movie <laughs> that they sent out as a, and called it a trailer, uh, I think we yeah. knew that it was going to be rough. Um, we we had seen all we needed to see of it at that point, and yeah, it's funny though. And I I should have connected the dot. Well, I guess I did remember this um, was released. But when we exited the theater and we were focus grouped for Sonic the Hedgehog two, um, there was the first question was which movie did you see today, and it was Ambulance and Sonic two. So I guess they weren't from Paramount. They must have been some sort of independent survey company, probably because why else would those two movies appear on the same survey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm sure it's... Um, let's see. Yeah, I'm sure they contract that shit out. No. I'm almost certain of it. Um, Sell- they just buy the Sell- data or whatever. Selling our but- data to people who are selling their data to <laughs> people selling their data to companies. Um, but, yeah, Ambulance has steered its way into theaters and into our spotlight for this week. So uh, Jake's out. So Peter and I will both be reading a single one-star review for your pleasure. Um, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Critics. Uh, Ambulance <laughs> has uh, a 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb. 70% on Rotten Tomatoes. Man, that's a lot higher than I would have thought. <laughs> and a 55%. On Metacritic. Um, did audiences hate it or something? No, the audience score is 88. Oh, damn. That's This is interesting. Critics consensus. At top speed and with sirens wailing, ambulance comes riding to the rescue for audiences facing an emergency shortage of Michael Bay action frills. <laughs> audience says, if you're looking for an action-packed movie that doesn't rely on deep dialogue, complex characters, or even a story that makes a ton of sense, yes. Ambulance yes. absolutely delivers. Michael Bay. That is the best fucking That is the best fucking consensus I've ever read. I want to frame this. I'm saving this. I'm not exiting this tab. I need to remind myself to save this for, for Hit posterity. Hit that screen, baby. That is, yeah. Well, I have three monitors, so if I hit print screen, it's just a 
huge, oh, the weirdly proportioned image. It's going to be a sad <laughs> First day world when Microsoft when Microsoft Snip, Snip Tool um, becomes a paid app. Like you got to pay to get Snipping Tool. That's going to be the downfall of our society. I don't think it's going to happen because you pay for the operating system. You pay a hundred dollars for Windows. I think there's an expectation that some software gets thrown in with that. We'll give you we'll give you snipping tool for free. Take it. I will. Um although most people haven't paid for Windows in years because they've offered free upgrades <laughs> the past mm-hmm. like two major releases. I haven't bought a Windows key since I think I'm still running off of my old desktop, family desktop's Windows 7 key. <laughs> this is the way. This is the way. <laughs> this is the key. All right. So anyway, you know the drill. We don't give a fuck what those people say because we can't. We can't see them. We can't touch them. We don't connect with them the same way that okay. you connect with someone who opens their heart. <laughs> How can our movies be real if our critics aren't real? Yeah. Opens their heart and and logs on to IMDb and leaves a user review. Um, which is a feature that I'm sure many don't even know exists on IMDb. <laughs> yeah. But we plummet every week and it's a good time and these are good people. Uh they've never once displayed any negative characteristics mm-hmm. such as racism or sexism. Nope. Um these are good quality people. Coherent. Um, Sane. Literate. All of them. Very literate. Literacy off the charts. <laughs> <laughs> because they wrote so much. It's so low. It went off the yeah. charts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's lead off with a 10 star review from Stuart Christopher, which is maybe my favorite username ever because it's just dude's name. <laughs> dude's name. 10 out of 10, Bay's Best, exclamation mark. Just saw this film and loved it, exclamation mark. Bayhem action, great drama, and a true Bay-directed <laughs> wild ride. These leads are great. Jake Gyllenhaal, Yaha Abdul-Martin II, Eliza Gonzalez. The support cast are really strong, too. Especially Garrett Dillahunt, Kira O'Donnell, Olivia Stambola, and Cedric Sanders. The soundtrack and original score are amazing. That wasn't worthy of an exclamation mark. It's just a statement of fact. Uh, Keeps you on the edge of your seat. It's going to be one of Bay's best, exclamation mark. Bad Boys meets Speed meets Heat. 10 out of 10 from me. 40F72 found that helpful. Okay. Um, okay. We're going to jump to jump to the other end of the spectrum here. Um, Jake isn't here, but we can replicate him. We have the technology with uh, Ahmed Altoum B's uh, 1 out of 10 review titled Jake. <laughs> um, Jake Busey. Jake. The... The movie is the worst movie I've seen in a while. No story, no acting, nothing to watch. I don't know why Jake accepted to be in one of these low-level movies. It's really bad, and I'm sad it went that way to, to such a talented actor. 
30 out of 77. <laughs> Found that helpful. Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake. Jake, talk to me, Jake. <laughs> Waking Jake, baby. Um, and then right, right in the middle, we got, we got some gems. The middle ones are on point this week. Uh, case in point here, GS Boy 1 Millions, uh, 5 out of 10 review. Bang, 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 chase, chase, chase. Bang, 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 chase, chase, chase. I feel like I'm there. <laughs> if you have the whole afternoon, watch this movie. A lot of chasing. Shooting, screaming, but not much script, though. Today, how you make a movie with no or little script ambulance is your answer. I still enjoyed a few moments here and there. Not a bad movie. Could have been 90 Mint, though. We would have had got the point. Two out of three. Found that helpful. <laughs> they ain't bad. Uh, here's another town 10 from Bane-94580. Best Bay movie after rock in 13 hours. <laughs> I really was I really was expecting he was gonna say best movie ever. Best Bay movie ever, but <laughs> he just kept going with the qualifier. This is one of the best action movies and emotional that I, Michael Bay, is the best director so far. The cast is perfect and the action scenes and frequence are superb. I don't understand why rating is 7.1 out of 10. This movie should be like 8.0 out of 10, said the man who submitted a 10-star review. 14 out of 32 found this helpful, but in direct diametric opposition to our man Bane over there I, is... I will say, um, I know we, don't, we joke about it every week, but it is amazing how consistently you can find that type of review... I the I don't know why people give it a bad review comment every week, dude. I I applaud you for it. It's a talent. You gotta you gotta play the hits. No one wants to hear the new stuff. <laughs> play your hits. Give me. I don't know why why people are bo- review bombing this movie. <laughs> a Rams A Ramsdale uh, has a one out of ten review of. This movie, 1 out of 10. I need an ambulance after this. All cap. Michael Bay has made some rubbish film has made more rubbish films than good. The studio should stop giving him ridiculous budgets because he's just going to spend it on smashing up as many vehicles as the budget will allow, regardless of trying to entertain the audience with anything resembling a decent film. All three of us hated it. Oh, so do you think um do you think it's three different names? Maybe. RMs and Dale. Dale Gribble. All three of us hated it. One out of ten. I'm glad they put... I'll commend this. It's not often that the star rating and the body of the review matches the star rating that it was submitted as. So I will con- commend them for that. 42 out of 58 found that helpful. I takes, think that might be the most helpful review. It takes three people to, to submit an accurate review. They proofread it. So one person wrote it. No, it's a, it's a triumvirate. Yeah. yeah. Um, and this last one, I guess it's it. They marked it as spoilers, so spoilers, I guess. Um, but Joe Manley, J.K. with their four out of ten review. If this is a six point five out of ten, then I want off this earth. <laughs> Strong opening. Um, and he, this guy is going into. This is it. a middle star review. How many stars is this? Four. This is four out of ten. <laughs> 
He will. Get, it feels that strongly that two and a half star difference. He will fight it to the death. And he does here. Like, he is going to go into detail. This is a bullet point list of everything. So we get, we will get, you will get the movie here. Uh, this <laughs> is the service that we provide to you at the Saturn Studs. All right. I went into this movie blind. No trailers, not knowledge on the actors, director, and with no expectations. As we are introduced to all the characters, it's clear that they're trying to create deep and rich narratives around them, some more obvious than others. The problem is, this movie as a whole is horribly basic and lacks any kind of narrative depth. The depth that is present is flat, forced, and honestly just distracting. Many of the supporting characters are just there to fill space. They provide crappy filler footage and try to be witty in their own individual ways. Bullet. The leader of the police task force has a tiny car and a large dog. He is immediately unlikely, and his character is trying too hard to be hipster and cool. I think he meant to say unlikable. Yeah, that would make more sense. Yeah. But oh. he's also the same guy who claimed to have no knowledge of Michael Bay before <laughs> seeing this movie. Yeah. So I'm not sure how trustworthy he is. <laughs> <laughs> Bullet. The FBI agent is more of a political stance than an interesting character. I think he has one real scene where he does something. Otherwise, the cops are just bullying him. Bullet. A cop gets shot at the start of the movie and is present in the ambulance. His partner is a maniac who will stop at nothing to get him back. This is fine, but he turns into a reckless cop who executes some guy he saw running from a scene. Bullet. Cam, the paramedic, is that hero who, that saves the world and walks home without a sweat. Her character is so dislikable and tries so hard to be so strong, tough, and brave. She has her own sub-story, but honestly added nothing to the movie. Uh, footnote. General comment. Everyone is a, a crappy comedian in this movie. I think I heard one laugh in this entire movie. Section break. Next section. The other things which were rough included a lot of the camera shots and scenes, which is surprising with Michael Bay directing this. Bullet. They overused fast drone shots, and they wanted to make everything aggressive and innovative. This felt more like an experiment. <laughs> Borderline experimental. <laughs> Bullet. There were a few really weird slash lazy cuts. Bullet. Explosions were silly and not as impressive as Transformers. He has no knowledge of Michael Bay. No. <laughs> Bullet. There is a two to three second scene of smoke zoomed in after an explosion. I have no idea what the point of this was. Bullet. The pace was strange. Either too intense or too strong. Section break. Next section. Other notable things about this movie. Bullet. The police were honestly just there to flip their cars and drive like overdramatic idiots. It got boring quickly and took more than it gave. Bullet. They sprayed the ambulance a different color for some reason. I guess they just wanted to disguise it with a distraction, but it made little sense considering you can't miss a blue or green amb ambulance vehicle. Bullet. The ending went on for what felt like 15 minutes, but only wrapped things up in the last two minutes. Conclusion. Honestly, a huge disappointment considering the cast, studios, and director, which I have no knowledge did he, of. Did he? I'm sorry, did I did I mishear that when he claimed he had no knowledge of these guys? No, no. It. Uh, let me let me see if I can. Uh, 
Yeah, I went no trailers, no knowledge on actors, director, and with no expectations. <laughs> Huge disappointment considering the cast, studios, and director. <laughs> That's like the fucking Rick James bit. I never put my feet up on A. Murphy's couch, grab my feet up on his couch like it's something to do. Yeah, I remember putting my feet up on his couch. <laughs> Uh, I would have expected more with the money poured in this movie, but I guess politics and executive agendas lead over a well-crafted movie these days. Who cares if the movie is good for as long as it performs in the box office? If you're looking for something more refined and balanced... politics of ambulance... It could have been great if not for the politics and infighting at the studio. If you're looking for something more refined and balanced, try watching Speed from 1994. <laughs> Otherwise, I would avoid this movie at all costs. Oh, that might be the greatest review I've ever heard. That is a zero out of zero. No one oh, cared. Oh, fuck. Uh, I need to make... I'm making that. Not, put that link in the chat. I'm putting... I'm writing that. I'm making an account just to write that. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> oh, I need a fucking cigarette after that. <laughs> the Batman falls the fifth. I don't even know where I would go on with this. Uh, six point... Four eight million dollars down forty one percent. Oregon kicked out of theaters at a solid clip, but over seven hundred million worldwide at this point. So good for it. Uh, everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once is rolling out into a wider release at this point. It's in twelve hundred theaters now, with four uh, plus four hundred sixty one point eight percent week on week. So the word of mouth strategy is working. Brought in $6 million for a total gross domestically at least of $8 million. It's yet to release widely international, only $370,000 on that front. Mm. Um, Uncharted is opening in 7th with, or not opening, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Falls the 7th. <laughs> that that review got me scrambled. <laughs> Falls the 7th, uh, down from 4 last week. So three spot drop. Out of 746 theaters, down 28.0%. And good for 2.6 million. Spider-Man No Way Home finally falls under 1 million <laughs> as it's booted out of nearly 700 theaters. <laughs> <laughs> 17 weeks is enough. <laughs> it's still in the top 10, though, after 17 weeks. Can't Jesus. The Black Panther still, streak. Still a little bit of that pandemic box office <laughs> going on here. Actually, I can't uh, call it the, the Black Panther streak. It's got to be the war with Grandpa. Yeah. Oh, my God. the war. I don't think we'll ever see a movie like The War with Grandpa again. I don't think I'll um, ever see The War with Grandpa. <laughs> I just looked up its IMDb. 79 weeks in the box office. Jesus Christ. That's, a, that's more uh, than a year. That is more than a year. All right. And, and like, almost a year of that was, like, high profile like it was like 26 weeks where it was like on box office mojo not just hanging out in a yeah a theater in afghanistan or something like that <laughs> um dog falls 70 percent as it loses half its theaters five hundred fourteen thousand dollars, and rounding out the top 10 sing two 
edges out UFC 273 <laughs> Volovsky versus the Korean zombie. <laughs> <laughs> they show that in theaters? Interesting. Yeah, it was a Fathom event, I'm sure. They do that sometimes. Fathom event will do like a boxing match or something like that. Um, but yeah, that's your top 10, $225,000. So very top heavy box office this week. Um, there's a movie called cow that opened in 29th. That's mildly interesting. I, uh, I did check that out. Um, I will send over the trailer for cow. It is, (laughs) it is an IFC films, uh, movie about two dairy cows. Um, yeah, it is it just here's the like synopsis. Um, opening in theaters in by April 8th, Academy Award winner Andrea Arnold, Fish Tank American Honey. Okay. Uh, returns with an intimate portrait of one dairy cow's life. The film highlights the beauty and challenges cows face and their great service to us all. It is cow footage. A vital and groundbreaking work of art, says Rap. The movie. Remarkably, I mean, moving. people like Blackfish a lot. Blackfish pretty much single-handedly destroyed SeaWorld as a company. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a powerful trailer. Yeah, that's uh, so. That's that's the follow-up. Let's talk some gaming news now, and we begin today with No Man's Sky. They dropped a new update, which adds space pirates and basically makes the game Firefly, which means, Peter, I might finally be interested in yes. playing No Man's Sky again. We will figure out how to make the multiplayer work. <laughs> because I was not interested in No Man's Sky as a civilization builder at all. I thought the controls were really frustrating, and you had to pay attention to too many meters. But I will be the fuck out of a space pirate. <laughs> yup. Yeah, so um, No Man's Sky will never... <laughs> They will never sate the hunger. It'll never die. Their, and their... Hello Games has said that they, they're they working on a new project that's just as ambitious as No Man's Sky, but they will not slow down the No Man's Sky updates. Like, I, I, I've i said it before. We've mentioned it a lot. Uh, the the rags to riches story, or the, the riches to rags back to riches story of No Man's Sky. And uh, how commendable it is for Hello Games. But, like, seriously, they have... I don't think I've ever seen a company completely turn around their reputation the way that Hello Games has in such a short period of time. It's crazy. It's Mm -hmm. like... I'm reading the book Console War right now, which is about uh, Sega and Nintendo's battle uh, for brand dominance. It it reminds me of Sega, which, like, in two years captured 50% of the North American market share for... (laughs) video game consoles um if you have the time patience and resources uh well mostly just the time and patience and desire to do it uh you can upgrade your steam decks gpu with a (laughs) simple combination of a m.2 to pcie adapter and an external gpu enclosure or i guess just a riser cable and a power supply to power it. <laughs> <laughs> you can hook up a GPU to your Steam Deck. Yeah. 
I feel like I need Jeff Goldblum in here. You're so busy, preoccupied. You're so preoccupied asking whether or not you could. You never stopped asking whether you could. I'm just imagining some guy on the train with an entire fucking... Ta- his Steam Deck is just connected on top of a fucking full-on tower. And it has to go into a monitor. So for... What even is the point of having a Steam? I guess you figure, oh, the Steam Deck's my laptop. I can use it like this, but like, god damn it. Oh, that's it's a lot of hoops to jump through. I, I have, ain't playing Superman 64. I have that, uh, I have uh, the new version of the Steam Deck. It's got fold in screen, it has like 26 plus buttons on it, and a trackpad included. Full peripheral support, like open ended <laughs> standard ser- for, uh, peripheral support chargeable long battery life and it literally fits in your lap it's powerful on top of your lap yeah that'd be a good name for it some the sort laptop. of laptop, laptop computer some <laughs> the laptop laptop intel has pledged to be a zero net zero greenhouse gas emission company by 2040 10 years after the tipping point is theorized to be uh, by climate scientists. Um, But that's cool that they're taking steps to do that, I guess. Um, And we mentioned today that the show is uh, kind of an in-memoriam thing for Gilbert Gottfried uh, and related to gaming and technology and Windows. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried is the canonical voice of Clippy. Oh shit! So um, there was a ad campaign. Clippy was not a uh, a well liked applet. No, no, not at all. In the early days of Microsoft uh, Office, uh, basically Bonzi Buddy, but inescapable. (laughs) But they for Microsoft Office XP, which did away with Clippy, they ran a series of ads in which Clippy was voiced by Gilbert Gottfried, and. they're all kind of hilarious. Send it over. <laughs> um. So yeah, there you go. More more connections to the to the man, the myth, the legend, Mister Gilbert Gottfried. Um. And uh, yeah, that's that's Gilbert Gottfried. So we we, we there wasn't a ton of gaming news, so I just kind of paired some a mishmash of stuff. So uh. Uh, the Witcher Three next gen update, next gen upgrade is not in development hell. CD Projekt Red insists, despite the big update being announced in 2020 and being delayed again until further notice. You can see Matt McMuscles in the corner wringing his hands already. <laughs> this is next, what happened? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> licking his chops. <laughs> he's re- he's he's on it. Um, yeah, so um all your all you Xbox Series X and PS5 owners, all all seven of you <laughs> going to be very disappointed <laughs> to learn that uh your uh next gen upgrade for a game that came out in 2015 is going to be a little while, not maybe maybe not top of oh, CD no. Projects Red's priority list considering, you know, they're making a a sequel to that game. <laughs> Yeah, for the same consoles, and have Cyberpunk that they gotta continue to to polish up. They're not a large company. No. 
And uh, this concludes our brief. Um, well, I foray. have one more. Oh, he's got one more. I I, I have one um, coming in from the top. If I can find it. Um, first, shout out to the the uh, community, lo- the local legend um, of Let Me Solo Her, the man who's gained oh, yes. viral fame for fighting uh, one Elden Ring boss. Uh, with with a pot on his head and no clothes on his back, um, that is his job, and is what he will be remembered for. He will <laughs> slay this one boss forever. Um, and ring, see. But I bring that up because um, the uh, the story. This is uh, I don't want the Kotaku version of it. Let's let's. Uh, oh no, it is the. All right, fine. Fucking, I'll read the I'll read a Kotaku article. Shit, uh, Elden Ring Easy Mode is one of the most popular Elden Ring PC mods at the moment. I'm sure it is. <laughs> uh, Oda Oda Shinkobu's Easy Mode for Elden Ring mod has been downloaded almost fifty thousand times since its March twelfth debut, making it Nexus's fifth most popular Elden Ring mod at the time of writing. Though the mods above it are uh, the mods above it are cheat tables and togglers. There are three versions of these mode: a damage edit only, a damage tweak plus ten times rune, and uh, Odashinkobu's personal edit. All three do a lot of the same things, like reducing damage you receive by fifty percent and increasing your attack damage by twenty-five percent, and doubling both your hitbox radius and the amount of health you recover from flasks. These are attractive adjustments that will make even the toughest enemies look like chumps. Um, the personal edit version, uh, it makes it a total cakewalk. Uh, not only does it defang foes and jack up your tarnished, it also disables mechanics like FP costs for spells and weight limits for equipments. While de- <laughs> decreasing the number of materials needed to reinforce weapons to one. Oh, um, other things include mod buffs to weapon scaling. Um, yes, so... Ba, 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 ba. Yeah, now it's the rest of it's just opinion stuff. Um, yeah, I remember. It only works offline, in, uh, obviously, because of anti cheat. Right. Easy anti cheat, which is easy to turn off. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so that's interesting because I remember in Donkey's review, his thing was like, just need to like dial back enemy damage by 75% and this game is like really well balanced. <laughs> yeah, I um I watched a a recently made very very long uh video essay about the dark the entire Dark Souls franchise and I I know Jake harps on it a lot trying to get you to play it. Um what apparently people what has been left out of my understanding of these is that a lot of the mechanics of this game are like fighting game fundamental stuff. Like it's it's frame data and it's footsies. And well there's always so those those principles can apply to literally any action game. Mm-hmm. Which is why I think I'm I'm generally pretty good at action games. Because like if you all video games operate on that same principle where there's an animation animation takes x number of frames and in an action game there's a hitbox you got a hurt box <laughs> <laughs> they're out there for a fixed amount of time 
and then there's a fixed yeah. amount of time before you can do something after the things that, that you're recovering. It's just it's more focused on in fighting games because you know that's the mechanics. That's that's where mm-hmm. the depth is. Um, action games, there's a lot more shit being flung at you, but it's all basically that. Like in Kingdom Hearts three, I remember figuring out, oh, I can cancel my combo, my Keyblade attacks into whatever triangle move to ensure that all the hits of the triangle move actually hit the opponent instead of trying to land it raw. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't think the developers intended for that to be in there, but I figured it out. <laughs> yep. And I, so I think I, 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 I may have the impression that some of these people who think the, the games are super duper hard are, they don't understand those principles. My, maybe part of it. My estimation of Dark, and I've never played it, so I probably should, just so I can speak with a little authority on this. Um, but my my understanding of it, based on what I've seen and what I've heard, is that they're not necessarily hard in the sense that the game is like a really well-constructed challenge. They're more like NES hard, where... Uh, the AI is super cheap, and the enemy damage is jacked way the hell up. Yours is jacked way the hell down, and um, you know a lot of it is like shit that in a more polished game is coded out to make it a more pleasurable experience for the player. But from soft, I think I honestly think the original Demon Souls or Dark Souls was just a poorly programmed game in terms of like enemy AI mm-hmm. and poorly balanced in terms of damage scaling. But rather than fix any of that, from soft was just like get good, and that became their whole identity. And that's any discourse around Dark Souls and even game difficulty now is just met with get good any legitimate criticism about you know like ai patterns being really mm-hmm. dumb or or unfair or whatever or like yeah and and that same debuffs. too um apparently uh from from what i hear like even like legit ways that are like actually included to to help you know mitigate the the difficulty gap like you know summoning and summoning other players like you do in dark souls games uh people in the get good crowd are like no that's not the right way to play the game you have to do it on your own then why, yeah then why is it in there i mean they're just like anyone who mm-hmm. gate keeps like go outside and touch some grass like <laughs> derive derive meaning and personal identity from more than one thing <laughs> get grass Touch grass. <laughs> that, that, okay, we're starting a new movement. If anyone responds to your valid criticisms of a video game with get good, you reply to them, touch grass, and then just dip the conversation. Mm-hmm. Let's, get we, this, let's get this Let's trending. get this more popular than L plus ratio plus whatever the fuck, that, whatever that Twitter meme was. Yeah. Twitter memes. Touch grass. Remember, folks. That's the comeback. I've given you all the comeback to get good. <laughs> Touch grass. All right. 
with gaming news wrapped up, let's talk about Aladdin. 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 Um, I was not expecting the content warning. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> before, was a surprise. Before I... this movie. I can kind of understand mm-hmm. it. Like, it's not always a positive portrayal of no that's muslims but in fairness it is not entirely inaccurate for the arabian nights era in which this is set (laughs) it's it to me like looking at this i'm it's more of like the the 90s um like small world kind of like ignorance like um I have an atlas from when I'm a kid, from when I was a kid, and on the front it's like every kid from every nation in their like in their little uh, you know their national costume or whatever. So you have the little yeah, German their, boy and their traditional Hosen. yeah the traditional garb mm-hmm. Scott guy in a kilt sort of thing. Yeah, the 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 Mexican kid in the sombrero. So like, that's it, that, uh, and to to a certain point, you know. Shows that white people have that problem, too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'll also say that, like, as much as, as much as, um, yeah, the the setting's a little weird, too, because, like, it is Agrabah, which I guess is ostensibly supposed to be uh, Arabian in location, Um, but there are also, like, random Indian things going in here, and, like, Turkish stuff in here, too. And they just kind well, of it's all, slap them together. It all kind of originates from the same region. Like, you know, you think of India as being, you know, like way out in Asia. But the fact of the matter is, India borders Pakistan, which borders Afghanistan. <laughs> so, like, the Middle East kind of encompasses a bit of what modern-day India is. And a lot of these cultures, you know, probably spun off of the same region. Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm by no means my cultural anthropologist, but I, I would not doubt if there were, there were mixes of what we would perceive as, you know, mm-hmm. different cultures. But, and like, I'm not super familiar with the culture <laughs> of either of these countries. Maybe, maybe Turkey does share a lot more culturally with India than I currently am aware of. Maybe. Um, it, it, the message the message I would send to my five my ten year old self is, hey hey young Peter, uh, did you know that tigers don't live in the desert? They're they're <laughs> a jungle cat. Neither do yeah, elephants. I, I, I would <laughs> to be think, fair, those were royal pets. Yeah, and which makes me think that it kind of borrows a little from, like it's set a little more towards like the India side of, uh, the mm-hmm. Middle East. Because uh, India has both tigers and elephants. It looks a lot like the Taj Mahal. And India does have both tigers and elephants in it. Mm -hmm. It's not particularly deserty, but like I said, it does border Pakistan, which has desert in it. Um, And uh, let's see. But yeah, it's a mishmash. It's not like super bad. Like, no. in terms of being an offensive portrayal. But, of course, I'm not the group that would be offended I, by it. I don't know if the group that would be offended by it is offended by it, or this is just a uh, a uh, PC white person 
kind of appeasement move. I don't know. That's the thing that always, like, I question about these things. Like, what initiated this? Because, like, in the case of, like, the, the Washington Redskins, right? They had their name changed recently. And uh, for a while, I'm like, okay, who's calling for this? Because I only saw, like, you know, angry white people calling for the change. Like, is this offensive to Native Americans? And then I, I saw some... I guess dating back, it's an old Daily Show clip, so it dates back a while. But there was a group of Native Americans that were voicing their displeasure with the Redskin name. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like, if the group of people who should be offended by this or would would be offended by this is offended by it, then go ahead and change it. If they don't care, then don't change It's like, uh, I'm jumping around a lot with these analogies, <laughs> but... When Mario Odyssey came out, if you recall. Oh, yeah, there was that whole... There was an uproar around Mexican Mario with his serape and his sombrero. And a lot of, like, white people on Twitter were like, this is offensive, you need to take this out of the game. And most of the reaction amongst Mexican people was like, we love this, this is awesome, Mexican Mario, yeah, let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Yeah, so I, I I looked up this this warning and like it just to make sure there was nothing like that egregious that we're missing, and the general consensus is yeah, it's just the passive like insensitivity. Is all. Yeah, they're like it, it was not okay then, and it's not okay. This isn't now. like Song of the South level. No, and it wouldn't be on Disney Plus if it were Song of the South level because as we all as we've <laughs> as we've repeatedly challenged Disney on release songs of the South, you cowards. Uh, but they have not done that. Um yeah, it's it's pretty at least from my perspective, as a somewhat culturally enlightened white person. It doesn't seem that bad, but again, I'm not really in a position to definitively make a statement on Aladdin's cultural sensitivity. They didn't. I will just say there's nothing agreed. There's no one like running around making you know stereotypical like I don't even know what you call that yell. And I'm not going to do it. That's that's yeah. Call it yeah. Um, There's none of that. There's some like Sharia law references when mm-hmm. Jasmine. We're not going to separate spoilers and non-spoilers because this movie is older than I am. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so if you haven't seen one of the like classic Disney Renaissance movies at this point in your life, you're either too young to be listening to the show, or not interested enough to still be listening to the show. So. <laughs> Uh, I feel like we're covered there. Yeah, like when Jasmine steals the apple and the guy threatens to cut her hand off. Not like a glamorous portrayal, but not inaccurate for what the penalty for theft is under Sharia law. Or at least, or was. <laughs> and the, um, or was, or the Hammurabi Code, or whatever the fuck. Mm-hmm. Governing yeah. body was around there. Um, but I think for the most part, people might be upset about like how just anglinized mm-hmm. it all is yeah. where like this movie could just have easily been set anywhere else without a noticeable impact on the characters mm-hmm. and it's plot. 
Yeah, I think it's the same reason that um, we'll, I'll bring this back to to my to my context. Um, Gatherer doesn't show. There are a couple of uh, old cards that Gatherer doesn't uh, show the images of um, anymore because they were they were stere- uh, pretty bad precious. stereotypes. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they they like you can still like the cards are there. They just don't show them on Wizard's site. Like, and I think those are, uh, this is like that same level where it's like, yeah, just, just put it up. Just, just let's be, we'll do a little caution about it, but obviously you can still watch it. Yeah. Just don't be stupid. Yeah. And I'm, it. I'm glad I was a little surprised, but it's whatever. It doesn't really bother me. I'm sure it bothers some people who are like, Rrr! don't try to whitewash history or, or I haven't heard any big articles the about, you know, any of the actors like denouncing the content yeah. I, or announcing this like, movie. The only thing about it um, is that I think in the, the newer version, they kind of uh, made some changes to some di- the live action Aladdin. They kind of made mm. some d- script changes. I, for as popular that as that movie is, I haven't seen it. I've heard, I I've seen heard plenty of uh, secondhand accounts of it, though. <laughs> Yeah, how it's it's basically all about Jasmine. Now, I was thinking because of how much a big deal was made about how capable and independent Jasmine is in that movie, that Jasmine in this movie was going to be very passive, blase. Yeah, but she's actually like the most developed character in the movie. Yes, and is like fiercely independent. Correct. Um, she, she drives this plot fucking forward. Um, the, like, if you want to talk about, like, egalitarian... The movie is called Aladdin. Yes. But it really isn't about Aladdin. (laughs) No. (laughs) Which Um, I guess was a criticism of the, the live action movie, but after watching this for the first time in, like, 20-something years... I have the same commentary about this movie. <laughs> Guys. You could have easily called this Jasmine and really? it would have been people I don't know what movie people saw where they said she's not she's being talked down to or she's not being treated like her own character when Aladdin's whole motivation is like when you list them off in order after he meets her she's like she's smart, she's funny, she's kind and also she has a nice face. Yeah. And he's like, I'm and literally not worthy to, I have to, like, be in a higher status to go and, like, be with her. No, I, like, I can see the objections coming in already about how uh, she's, like, captured and she doesn't, like, enact any of the change in the movie. But that's kind of inaccurate because she uses her intelligence on several occasions to dupe characters and escape dangerous situations mm-hmm. um and getting literally and she's getting no... the end like there's a difference between not having agency and not actually getting the thing you wanted to get done done like when she tries and calls she tries to stop the execution or like halt and save aladdin when they're captured by the guards like that's a that's agency that's like she yeah she stuff. invokes her royal privilege and the the guards kind of act on their own accord to not abide by that. 
Right. Or it's from Jafar. Like, the other conflict is from yeah. Jafar. The villain, you know. The villain of the movie. Who would have thought and, that yeah, the villain I'm sure would stop people... the hero from doing something, or the heroine? And I'm sure people would also, like, point to, oh, you know, the way Jafar treats her, it's a very sexist thing it's like well yeah he's a bad guy bad guys are allowed to have negative qualities it's a bad that's guy actually using... a good thing because then you associate sexism with evil because jafar's an evil character bad guys can be can be and should be bad they literally like the the, the one of the literal points about like to emphasize how awful this is is like they're like you're old like you're an old dude trying to like wed yourself to this to this young uh woman and he's exploiting the system to do so and literally at the yeah. end of the movie he like the the fit the conclusion of the movie is that this the heroine influences the literal patriarchy <laughs> to change the laws yeah. I, which i, I, I kind of laugh at like, oh, because i've I'm the Sultan. What what are we even doing here? Yeah, I, I laugh at that shit because he's like, I'm the Sultan. I can change the law. It's like you couldn't have come to this realization, I don't know, a day ago and no. avoided half the shit. Because he is a he is a doofus. Um, which that's a yeah, great line. Honestly, that is he's a great portrayed, line. He's it, portrayed a lot mm-hmm. worse than Jasmine is in this movie. I do like the, the line and oaf. when they're talking about suitors, where she you know he, she's being picky and she's like. Not, you know, he he thinks she's being picky. Um, yeah, but she's just like, against why the concept my, of arranged My wife marriage. wasn't so picky when she chose her suitor, yeah. which is like a, a, a self burn. It's a <laughs> it's a classic self burn. So good. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, and and Aladdin is like in his. It's it's a real it's a real wholesome kind of courtship. I mean, it wouldn't yeah. be anything else, but. Um, yeah, it's Disney. Like, there's a reason these movies are so fondly remembered by so many people. There's nothing exceptional about this movie. In fact, I was kind of like, I guess, shocked by how shallow it felt a little bit because yeah. it's only an hour and thirty four minutes long. They kind of they hustle everything through. It's an hour and thirty four minutes long, and we don't even fucking get to the Cave of Wonders until about half an hour in. So mm-hmm. they kind of they rush through everything, but the story beats are all there. They they show you, they introduce Aladdin, and they mm-hmm. they show you what kind of guy he is without telling you. I mean, there's a musical number about like Classic. him being a street rat, but like mm-hmm. they show that he's crafty and wily uh, through his actions during the musical number, not through the lyrics in the song. Uh, they show that he's a good person when he gives his bread that he works so hard to steal to the other little people who, the little kids that don't have any food. Um, So they, they do a good job of establishing his character through showing and not telling. And with the showing, I I do like the, the lead into lens intro, which is, it's a really good use of a a jump cut, I guess uh, where it's Jafar. And he's like, I need to find the diamond in the rough. Cut to the hard diamond in the rough Aladdin. Hard cut to diamond in the rough Aladdin. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. They, yeah. They do a good job. They, they make Jafar menacing uh, enough. They show that he's a bad dude uh, a lot through his action and not through just people saying, "Oh, Jafar, he's so wicked. I don't trust it." They do a good job of like pretty much every character in this movie uh, getting across what they're about without. Mm-hmm plainly telling you what they're about 
which is something that happens a lot in modern movies. Mm -hmm. Although I will say, um, for any, uh, the Disney heads all know this, Disney fans all know this, um, in musical theater, at least definitely in Disney musical theater, they have what's called, um, and I want, or the heroes have the I want song, which is where the hero tells the audience through the song what they want. That's Aladdin's one step ahead of the breadline. Mm-hmm. Um, and villains uh, usually also get an I am song where they tell you what they are and that specifically they are a bad guy. Um, I forget. I, I can't fucking bring. Uh, I don't have a uh, excellent like Hellfire. That's a pretty. That's a that's a good one. Uh, Gaston, the whole Gaston song. Gaston, I love Gaston. That's the cl- that is the defining classic. That I is, am song that is the, the quintessential. Villain. I am. Um, yeah. Defar doesn't get one though. He doesn't, but he does kind of cleverly turn around the uh, mm-hmm. the romantic song and make it yes. something villainous. That's you're not wrong there. That's true. Um, uh, it's a good kinda, little reprise. Yeah, it's a it's a clever uh, little thing there. Um, we'll talk some of the performances. Uh, people who play Aladdin and Jasmine do a fine job. The romance between the characters is believable. There's chemistry between the actors. Um, they play off each other very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gilbert Godfrey as Iago, little underutilized. I thought he was used a little more than he actually turned out being used, but he, very, uh, he plays his role well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's good for good for a laugh when you need it, and of course, the venerable Robin Williams this is one of the most famous roles mm-hmm. of his career, and you can just tell that he was just having a blast in the studio doing whatever the fuck he wanted. Yeah, absolutely, and the animators yeah. figured it out later. Yep, <laughs> that's why I wanted to say it was like it is beautiful work of editing and animation that they get to put his fourth wall non sequitur stuff and they have to stitch that together with like what they obviously gave to Aladdin's actor where they said <laughs> uh he just said some crazy shit just just make a confused noise like you didn't quite get what's going on cuz you you can't be the comedic relief like you can't i think um he acknowledges like one thing that uh genie says i don't even remember what it is like one reference genie makes um but other than that, they are they are in separate in separate spheres. Yeah, they, I mean they they interact to a believable extent, um, and they do have like dialogue back and forth. But yeah, to your point, Peter, when Genie goes full on Robin Williams stand up routine, mm-hmm. uh, Aladdin does not like address any of it. <laughs> Just goes in one ear and out the other. <laughs> Which was um, which was the the correct way to do that? Yeah, and it's a basic romance star, not necessarily star-crossed lovers, but like forbidden love mm-hmm. uh, plot where you you meet the guy, you meet the girl, uh, boy meets girl, or in this case, girl meets boy. They they begin their courtship. Something happens. Uh, Aladdin is conscripted to meet the genie. He gets the genie. Uh, goes mm-hmm. to woo the girl, something else happens, and then they, they beat the bad guy and live happily ever after. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's worth noting that, like, 
a lot and a lot of these like in a lot of like really stereotypical rom-coms uh, it'll be like the girl figuring out whatever secret the guy has been doing or like whatever gimmick the guy has been using to like get the girl. And she's like, I can't believe you lied to me. He's like, wait, 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 wait. And then, but she doesn't wait. And then she leaves and then they have to have the, the low point and the getting back together. But in this, in this case, um, it's she hears him out. Just, <laughs> yeah. She's like, yeah, she fucking saw through him, but she doesn't like care. She's just like, be honest with me. But he's like beating himself up over it. And he's like, and there's this weird scene where like they do the magic carpet ride and she mentions oh it's a shame Abu couldn't be here and Aladdin like falls for this trap Mm -hmm. to reveal that he's Aladdin and I thought they established he was Aladdin there yeah yeah but then in like the next scene they're like oh you can't be lying to her about this and they refer to her she refers to him as Ali I I thought the first time she did that that it was like just to keep the ruse up for the dad. I'm like, they're just lying to the dad at this point, right? But then it's, like, used as a big reveal. I'm like, didn't she already fucking know? Did I miss something here? (laughs) But I'm glad you had the same confusion, so I guess it's just a weirdly edited sequence. Yeah. Yep. Um, Yeah, the performances were all fucking great. Uh, Yeah, I think, was he... Was... Gilbert Gottfried as Iago, like the first of those Disney Renaissance characters who was like, we're just going to pull in a comedian and he's going to play the bit part character. So this movie is the first of that. A lot of people point to Robin Williams as the genie, as kind of the, the genesis of the get a known comedian to play the side character thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Gilbert Gottfried's role as Iago is a lot more analogous to something like Jason Alexander as or, the gargoyle in mm-hmm. Hunchback of Notre Dame. Or Eddie Murphy as Mushu. Yeah, Eddie, I think the, that's definitely more one-to-one comparable. Mm-hmm. Timon and Boomba. Yeah, Nathan Lang playing uh, Timonia. Um, yeah, but like I think... I think because this is the first Disney Renaissance film, wasn't it? It's an it? early on one, and you can kind of see it too in the in now that it's been upscaled. Um, oh yeah, it looked weird, like in super. I I watched it in Dolby Vision with Dolby Atmos, and like the audio mixing sounded a little weird because they like tried to stretch what was original, maybe even mono recording, and <laughs> seven channel, nine channels oh for Dolby God. Atmos. <laughs> The Imagineers working overtime on that shit. Um, And similarly, the animation that was, it was, you know, hand-drawn, hand-mastered, which is great for for good stuff. Um, I will say in this effort, like, you can call it part of the charm. Sure. I didn't, it didn't bother me as much, but you did see some of the line work kind of get a little slippy. I think that's part of this. Jasmine's eyes were were something that kind of, like, stood out to me as looking weird but another thing i noticed was how distinct the separation between the backgrounds and the animation cells laid over top of them was mm-hmm. um like just completely different art style a lot of times for yeah. like the background pieces like and they looked early... impressionist <laughs> in some scenes yeah and like and even the early cgi stuff where they were trying um, where they are working on, it, the, I wouldn't say they're experimenting with it because they they know what they're doing, like they've done it before. Um, but like in the front of the Cave of Wonders, where you have the the CG uh, lion's head, 
and Aladdin kind of like on that on that CG um, frame as the yeah. hand drawn character, and they're not quite moving at the same. Uh, yeah, it was kind of rate. kind of a little Forbidden Planet esque mm-hmm. with the uh, the animation over live action. Uh, but that movie's from the 50s. So Aladdin was in like the third batch of Disney Renaissance films. It started in 89 with The Little Mermaid, and then 90 to 91 was Rescu- Rescuers Down Under and Beauty and the Beast. Uh, so I guess Aladdin would be the third that people think of. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I guess Iago, I guess Iago was the first of, of those, because, yeah, uh, there Beauty wasn't anyone Sebastian, in... but that wasn't a... Yeah, like, there wasn't like a known comedian that they plucked the play him and i don't think there was any like any of that movie and the beast yeah yeah. they were comedy characters but they weren't played by like known comedians so yeah i guess aladdin would be patient zero for this followed by the lion ground yeah as he did in in so much of his career um yeah so it's a good movie like the like i said these disney renaissance films and disney movies in general uh these ones that are kind of held up as classics they're not like revolutionary in yeah, terms of like storytelling or anything people but they're who just... grew up on these have been making movies that are essentially takes of this for the last yeah. 20 years yeah so i mean at the time might have been a little more or felt a little more groundbreaking especially in the the realm of children's animated movies um mm-hmm. we have to kind of like keep that context in here so you're not going to be intellectually challenged uh as you would by something like requiem for a dream but (laughs) it's a uh, it's a well pieced together movie that uh does what it needs to do it tells its story efficiently and in a charming and memorable manner and it doesn't overstay its welcome and it spawned two sequels one which was really bad and one which was kind of all right and uh it's one of the most uh, beloved Disney movies of all time, and one of the best Genesis games. <laughs> yeah. So Take it's got it. that going for it. Eat it, Aladdin NES or SNES. So there is a big difference between the games, uh, yes. because they developed some... I forget what the name of it was, but they developed a method for Genesis to scan in the animation cells. And animate them within the game engine. You might so you might have heard it from this little game called Cuphead. <laughs> yeah, where they took animation cells and put them in a video game. No one's ever Cuphead. They, no one had ever done that before that point. No one had ever. No one had, <coughs> had never been a, <laughs> never been attempted before. But uh, the SNES version was just Capcom doing whatever. <laughs> so uh, that's why Aladdin for the Genesis was one of like the highest selling Genesis games for 93. Um, actually, it might have been the highest. But that's going to wrap it up for episode 310 of the Saturn Studs podcast. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can check out SaturnStuds.com for more stuff from us. We do Twitch streams, uh, Twitch TV backslash Saturn Stud. Didn't do one last week. Probably won't do one this week, or I might do something solo, just hang out. Depends on what my Saturday looks like. Um... And then you can check out Iron Blood Gaming on Twitter or content creators for them. There are a lot of other content creators under that umbrella and esports teams, if that's your jam. There's a little little something for everything and a little something for everyone in there. Um, we're also on Twitter at Stud Saturn. Uh, you can 
reach us there or via email, sirenstuds.gmail.com. Once again, sirenstuds.com has links to all this shit, uh, so you can explore that, explore past episodes, which we sometimes reference. That If those 25 cached episodes in your podcatcher of choice, which we are available on almost everyone, uh, yep. is not enough to satiate your, your backlog desire, um, our Red Circle page has like the last three or four years of the show on it. And then our old Blogspot uh, blog has pretty much all the other ones. There are a few that are missing. I probably still have them. So if you really want to hear a specific <laughs> episode, you can reach out to us on Twitter or through email and we can bespokely deliver to you the original audio file. Absolutely. We will place it in your, in your hands. In your inbox. All right. Well, until next time, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye-bye. Happy Easter, everyone.